Hi, I'm Chris. Hi, I'm Robert, and we're the Film Flamers, bringing you another hot take. Yeah, we're uh, we're hot taking the new Suspiria, which we just saw. It's Halloween night. We drove up to the Alamo Draft House, and we saw it. We slogged <laughs> and slogged all the way back. It's a rainy Halloween night, so it's uh, it's atmospheric outside. Oh, you were talking about the drive. Oh, well, I know you're talking about <laughs> something else. There are some slogs in the evening, everyone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, we have a caveat, though. Normally, we um, don't give a shit for spoilers, and we'll just say whatever we want to. And this is no exception. So if you have not seen the new Suspiria, we suggest you pause this recording and go watch it immediately come back to us as soon as you're done exactly we'll wait wait. yeah and you're back hope you enjoyed it (laughs) (laughs) uh i don't even know where to start with this movie (laughs) really i mean so I had like the, the highest expectations for this because Suspiria is one of my favorite horror movies, if not in the top five. The original. Yeah, the original. And Important I, caveat here. I, uh, I was uh, super, super excited to see this movie. Originally, when they announced there was going to be a remake, I thought, no, never. I can't. I can never watch this. It'll never match the original. And then when I saw the first trailer, I was ready. And then throughout the months, it has just grown in my mind and I was I have not I can't remember a time in the last like five years that I was more excited to see a movie that's so sad (laughs) I'm sad for you there haven't been that many like just huge movies coming out for me that I just have to see exactly though but but I you know you have to look back with happiness for being surprised by so many like The Witch like It Follows like Revenge or however many others that you've loved that you've been surprised by there's been a lot of surprises in horror and surprises are great but I mean I also like to look forward to things yeah and I was looking forward to this too especially um, after seeing the original but of course because you know Tilda Swinton Uh Uh, I'm not the biggest Tilda Swinton fan and just about every other person in the world seems to be I mean like if you're going to pick a British actress I mean like give me the the, the grand doms of Britain or even Toni Collette ever I mean I'll watch Toni Collette in anything or is she Australian I don't Please, please forgive him, podcast audience, because he just has not seen that many Tilda Swinton films. Oh, and those he has that. seen are just haven't been the best. That's true. I don't, I mean, I still haven't seen Snowpiercer, so maybe I'll go home and watch that tomorrow. We'll yeah. see. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say that, I mean, I, I enjoyed her performance in this movie. Her performance is. Her performance is. That's right. So She I, plays not one, not two. But three characters in this film. Yeah, I was I was fully expecting the two, mm-hmm. but I didn't expect the three, and I didn't actually find out what the third one was until after. And I don't know if we want to spoil that. Yeah, I. You know what? Let's not. You want to kill the hell of Marcos? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, that movie was missing that line for real. Um, I don't. Where do you want to start with this? I mean, I. This is supposed to be a review, right? A quick hot take, which is probably not going to be that quick by the end of it, but I'm... Yeah, I don't care. You don't care? Yeah. Okay. And this one, obviously, we're we're releasing to the masses instead of just on our Patreon. Yeah. Only because we've talked about it so much. We did an episode on it recently, and we uh-huh. kind of kind of uh, eluded and promised that we would uh, give you our hot take on this. So. Well, and we also released a small bonus of Suspiria sequel ideas to the masses as well. And we did. Patreon. So let's continue the trend. Yeah. So we're just gonna we're gonna Suspiria 
until the end, apparently. Yeah, that's just what we're going to be doing. But instead of at the end, let's start at the beginning of this movie. So everything starts with... Tom York. Tom York, <laughs> yeah. The the living breath, the sigh of Suspiria, right? Mm-hmm. It would be Tom York. Yeah. This is what's thinking about a body. It starts with Patricia, just like the original, sort of running through the rainy streets of... How did they say her name? Patrizia. 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 I don't know. You speak German better than I do. I don't know. I feel like the German in this film was three-fourths of the movie. But besides that, yeah, get ready for that. Because this movie has a lot of German and a lot of subtitles. And all the subtitles have like a red stroke on them. So be be aware. But uh, yeah, I didn't expect that. And some of the German is obviously like foreign spoken German. And some of it's better than others. But who cares? No one's going to care about that going in, especially an American audience. But that's just me. Well, I don't really know any German aside from bitte. So. Yeah, nine <laughs> schnell. Yeah, I know all those words. Was machst du in deiner Freizeit? Yeah, I don't know. Wo ist mein Flammenwerfer? Für mich ist es. I mean, so I mean, come on. So French. yeah, I, I speak a little bit more than him. But <clears throat> yeah, between the two of us, we could go to like two countries. So uh, Patricia is running through the rainy streets of Germany, similar to what she did at the start of Suspiria. And was that Hit Girl? From, uh, what the hell is that movie called? <laughs> or was that Hit Girl or was that Carrie? Yes, that's Carrie. Mm. Yes. Chloe Grace Moretz? Yeah, that's her. That's mm-hmm. her. I did not recognize her. Uh, no, she has she her hair crazy. in front of her face. They yeah. never, they never really do her justice as an actress, as far as like showing who it is. <laughs> she has a really pretty face. Well, she so. did, yeah, and she did, uh, and she still has a pretty face, even though later on you see it through all of this something on her face, and mm. uh, you know she's still pretty. <laughs> uh, However, I mean, like, this is like the first left turn this movie takes. So I'm sort of expecting Patricia to die in a horrible, horrible way, because that's really what sets off the original Suspiria is her graphic death. And uh, we're treated to another graphic death at the hands of a character that we liked from the original movie as well. And that's Olga. And I think that this is like this is the surprise that people keep talking about in the movie, the surprise death or the really shocking scene that everyone's like abhorred by. And I mean, I really wanted them to cast Feruza Balk as Olga this time. Just to <laughs> cut out the middleman. And she, she may be a little too old at this point, right? She'd be playing one of the one of the older She's witches. not quite that old. She's not quite Tilda Swinton's vintage. No. Well, she's yeah. gaining on her. I mean, come on. Yeah, she's like your age. Oh, my God. Well, I'm old, too. So I, No, she's got to be older than me. <clears throat> well, we'll sidebar that. Oh, wait. Let's see what Google has to say. Oh, shit. How old is Feruza Balk? Feruza Bach is 44 years old. Oh, she's the age of my husband. Good. Thank you, God. She's not near as old as me. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I guess she would have been good in this movie, too, I suppose. But anyway, sorry, I derailed everything. That's okay. That. I mean, tangents are important. Yeah. Uh, so Patricia gets the ball rolling by going to see her professor friend. It's a professor, but he's a doctor, right? It's like a He was a therapist. Yeah. 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 There was a reason there. And I liked that a little bit better rather than like 
like in the original Suspiria, she like randomly goes to like a, a like a friend's house. A, yeah, like like the oh yeah, her friend happens to be a professor at the nearest universe. I was like, okay. Well, yes. Anyway, this one made a, made a little more sense because he's an he's actively a therapist, right. you know. And uh, so she disappears, but leaves all her belongings at his house. And he goes through her diary and starts to realize that some of her rants about witches in his office may or may not be true. So he sort of starts to suspect that all of her paranoia is an actual occurrence there. Yeah. And especially when another student shows up or no, 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 no. He uh, he gets her. He asks Susie. Yeah, he shows up at the school and asks Susie like to come with not Susie, Sarah, Sarah, yes, Sarah. To come with him and she they talk and she's like, everything's normal. And then she comes back when she realizes it isn't. Mm-hmm. And that's when he goes and and uh witnesses the dance where he sees some weird shit go down. Anyway, yeah. we're getting ahead of ourselves. And that's too we can, we can just go through a quick like synopsis of the movie in, in in a sense. And so I mean like the the new Suspiria has all of the old beats and character names as the old one. We have a Madame Blanc, we yeah. have a Miss Tanner, a and Sarah, he, uh, and that, I think all that's important, but I, I did go in with I think less high end expectations than you, but also with the knowing that they did not want to make a direct remake. He wanted to make a movie that invoked the feeling that he felt when he first watched the film himself. And I knew that as well. I knew that they weren't going to do an exact remake because, I mean, honestly, doing that just seems a, like a terrible idea. I think that Gus Van Sant did that yeah. sort of thing in Psycho and it it doesn't work. No. And so like a reimagining or a revisiting of something is better than a straight up remake, right? So we really can't call this a remake anyway. Um, but the movie itself... The, the new one has, I mean, it, it gives itself a, a creepy feeling in a different way than Argento did with his. Yeah. So, I mean, but it's it's creepy throughout, I feel. And I felt like the original kind of does the whole isolated in a, in a foreign country kind of feeling, uh, you know, fish out of water feeling a little bit more. Because in this one... Susie had dreamed of going to Berlin since she was a child, apparently. Right. And that's all she wanted to do as if she was had been called. And we find, kind of find that out later as well. Why? Stylistically, I think this movie, I think it, it looks really good. It does. It has a very limited palette, which is in stark contrast to the to original. Argento. I mean, Argento is just nothing but bright colors. And this is nothing but like tans and yeah. shit. Yeah, know? tans and blues and grays. Right. And it's really speaking to the 70s kind of palette. There's kind of a milky kind of um, cloud over film. So there's never any like true blacks or anything mm-hmm. for those of you uh, cinematography nerds. But which I kind of appreciate for the for the invoking the feeling of period, but it also kind of I feel like detracts from the beauty of the film. It adds to the atmosphere, but kind of takes away from the beauty. But there's enough really good camera work here, um, and even their sweeping shots are kind of done uh, like handheld, shaky a little bit, which also adds. So there's a lot of technical stuff going in here to add to the feeling that he's trying to create. Yeah, even like the sweeping shots, there's lots of uh, like close up shots of people's faces or people's body parts that look odd and off putting, mm-hmm. and it really just creates a sense of, of dread or again like Argento did in his own film it creates a, a dreamlike sense while watching this movie I'm really looking forward to seeing how much prep work went into all the te- technical side of everything as well as like the choreography that went into a lot of these dances that must have taken months before filming ever began oh and you know I thought they were amazing and I'm I'm not a huge fan of dance like I mean I've gone to the ballet and things like that but it's, no. it's really not my thing especially when you get to like modern dance 
or interpretive dance, you know, yeah, the Martha I'm, Graham thing. I'm and... really, really gun shy on interpretive dance mm. ever since that thing on Netflix came out. And God, what was that stupid show? It started off so good. And then dance moms? Like, no. <laughs> no. <I'll... laughs> no. You don't have to Google it. It's fine. Well, he has to Google it. So the show was called The OA. Oh, I haven't seen that. And it turns out the OA means original angel. And it's so fucking pretentious by the end that I I really just hated it. Uh, uh, Rob hated it. He did not like that show, but he watched it to the end. So, I mean, I don't. Yeah, because it it starts off amazingly epic and just really done well. And it builds and builds and builds and it just collapses spectacularly in the last one or two episodes. There's interpretation. And you're just like, I have, yeah, the very, it culminates to that. It culminates that their dance, or it tries to say that their dance has power and all these movements have power, kind of similar to in Suspiria where it can invoke like happenings and you can change reality and, and everything else. And, and then it turns out like, She's telling the story, you know, to all of these like people in high school or whatever. And then she goes to the high school and there's like a school shooting and they all like just bust out an interpretive dance to prevent it. But people are still shot and, and hurt and stuff. So it's like and then she in the end of the series is her like rushing off to the ambulance like so it didn't do anything. And so it's like you expect also spoilers to be, for the oh, well, it alluded that. Yeah, <laughs> it alluded that we're supposed to like be like time travel with it and everything. Uh, you else. can stop. That just it was so stupid. So, yeah, yeah. Just don't don't me. watch the OA. Anyway, back but to but Suspiria. the dancing in Suspiria is, I think, fantastic. Much better than the OA. I mean, from a layperson, right? Like, I don't really know the moves or what's behind it or whatnot. Um, but yeah, the dance in this was incredibly electric. Compare, yeah. and it makes the OA's interpretive dance look like I don't know hand puppets. Well, and it really makes the original Suspiria's ballet moment seem like crap too because the dancing in that movie is just there because they're yeah in a it's dance much academy. more traditional and they just had to have something in there to make it a dance academy right versus in this they took it very seriously well, and, and it pushes the story forward oh it's it's i would say several times the dance is visual storytelling in a lot of interesting ways because i'd say the the, the singular scene of course and one of the ones that they uh, one of the scenes that they showed uh early audiences to get reactions from was the scene where she's first doing her Susie's first doing her dance for Madame Blanc and whatever power Madame Blanc has put into her is also affecting not Susie but Olga. Olga. And so every dance uh, move that Susie does is contorting Olga's body in a separate private underground dance room that she got locked in, I guess. Mm-hmm. And it's just contorting and ripping her body apart. And it's really gross to watch. And I had just eaten an Alamo draft house and I was just about <laughs> to throw up on the row in front of me because that was gross. And they don't hide anything. There's like contusions and like, like you can see the ribs poking like out under the skin and, and her urine face gets through a leotard. So, oh, yeah, it I was, mean, it, it got bad. Like, and you could see like her stomach fluids going out of her mouth. And I mean, and I was I was waiting for that scene because I know that people had like vomited and stuff like that when they watched it early or walked on. Out, yeah. yeah, and so I was just ready for it because and they fed them. They they fed them like this nice dinner and oh, then they, they showed like, them oh, that watch scene. This part. Yeah. <laughs> And they're like, uh, why did you do that? It didn't disappoint, though. I mean, like, as far as, like, horrific mo- moments in this movie go, that's probably the number one, right? Yeah. So, I mean, it was, it was gross. Except for the end where everyone's heads are exploding. But yeah. that was done in a more stylistic, pretentious way. I um, I still prefer that the contorting body to anything in this Yeah, movie. that was a lot more straightforward. Um, 
I think one of my favorite parts of this movie, especially as a stylistic choice for the were the dream sequences that Susie was having. I don't like where they were coming from or how they explained it, but the the editing and just the severe imagery quickly that you get in those was very impressive to me. Like I liked it quite a bit. One thing I liked about this as far as the themes is that it's a lot deeper and they're really trying to pull in the history of what's happening in Germany during those times of the Berlin Wall and the separation and what they've all been through and reconstruction after World War II and and all of this stuff and what's going on with women in that time. Yeah. And there's those themes in their dance where she's instructing them and it's all kind of trying to point you in a direction of do not forget the past mm-hmm. but respect it and move forward. Don't cling to the past, move forward and reach for new heights. And that's d- almost instructed literally well, by yeah, Madame Blanc. She, when she, she, we're creating this new dance, a rebirth or whatever she calls it, right? Yeah, and, and so, you see this theme played out with uh, Klimperer, with his lost wife, apparently, mm-hmm. you know, uh, Jews from the Holocaust. And uh, you can see this with the dance. Obviously, that's the, the storytelling device. And then on the witch's side, you can see that with, okay, Helena Marcos is trying to do things the old way, kind of an evil way where they're keeping like these little like half corpses around, uh, you know, these girls contorted and evil, you know, and creepy as they are to kind of do their bidding later on in either to have us backup dancers if they need to. <laughs> well, they were the ends to her or, means, too. Or I mean, to she, use wanted, in, she had to have a new body. To use in the Sabbath, you know, or yeah. Sabbath or whatever the fuck they call them. And, um, and I feel like that was some comeuppance. It's like, no, this is you and all of your followers are now the past and we have to reach new heights and do better. And that was Madame Blanc's style. And she, in this movie, she is not an overt villain, uh, as much as she is almost a bystander to it and accepts it, but she's also trying to move forward and do more and better things. I think I, don't I, even I might go be reaching so far her. as to say that she's not a villain in this movie. I think that she serves. She's as a, certainly complicit. She's complicit in a way because she's a, a witch in a coven, and I mean, like as a witch, she has to have her coven in a sense, right? And so, I mean, and maybe yeah, she's all like, witches are evil. Yeah, but... she's like the Ivanka Trump of this witch administration. <laughs> the Melania, <laughs> complicit. Yeah. <laughs> so the new scent by Ivanka. Uh, she, I mean, she, she really serves as a mother to Susie. I think, right? I mean, as far yeah. as as the movie progresses, she. Mm-hmm becomes the mother that Susie didn't have. Yeah. And there's there's a lot of weird plot elements in here. It like characters and just different things that happen in the background, little stories that are trying to kind of either visually story tell the themes or I don't know. Like we didn't really need Susie to have a mother in the no. background. We didn't need that. We didn't need to know that she was a I was, I was thinking it, yeah, and and her mother's dying in bed and it's like flashing back to that. And I thought it was a flashback to like the original like sus- mother Suspiria. Well, cuz yeah, cuz she's making that same breathy sigh yeah. that Helena Marcos makes in the original. So there's like, there's okay. a lot of um, what was the word the, the word that you used coming out? It's convoluted. It's convoluted. It's very it's, convoluted. There's a lot of extra stuff here that could have like hit the cutting room floor. I feel like the first three-fourths of the film are much more straightforward than the last. They don't really bring those themes home. The last scene of the movie is essentially about Klimperer and his wife, randomly, to yeah. me. Like, it could have been brought home a little bit more clean. And maybe it's because we're in Alamo Draft House, we're eating, we're a little distracted, and maybe we're not reading the, all the subtitles because we're like soaking in all the visuals of the film because there's yeah. a lot of visual storytelling here. It's not the best subtitle film. 
quite honestly. No, but they do it. They, they try to make those subtitles look as like flashy to you as, as possible. Cause I mean, like normal subtitles are just some standard white copy. Right. But these have some sort of like tint around the edges of the lettering and things like that. Yeah, like and, it, it looks different. And when half the film is in subtitles, yeah. it's like, please make them more readable a little bit. Yeah. Come on. I, I was thinking during this movie about the the tagline in the original Suspiria trailer, where like the oh, the the only thing scarier than the last ten minutes of Suspiria is the first ninety, and I was like, the only thing scarier in the last ten minutes of the new Suspiria is the first two hundred and seventy. I mean, like he could have cut a lot of this out. Yeah, and I know that you're a fan of Guadagnino, but I've only seen two of his films now. And one thing I, I, I'm getting is that there's a lot of ta- raw talent here, but he just can't keep it together before he just has to. He is very masturbatory, like it's to a certain point. Like he was really reined in. He was you could see a lot of discipline with his narrative, and then it just like goes ape. You know, you don't think that "Call Me by Your Name" has a good narrative from start to finish? <sighs> There's a definite beginning, there's middle, just and a, end. There is, yes, there is. To your point, there is. But I feel like there's a level of pretension there, and it was to me. Um, okay, let me go backwards a little bit. A lot of the time, when a director directs actors, he'll say, "Stare blankly at, at the camera" or something similar to that, okay. so that the so that the audience can read the emotion in you. That's how he directs his films. He basically tells the film itself to stare blankly at the audience and the audience can get what they want from it. And so when I watched it, I saw filmmaking craft and I saw what I was kind of supposed to get. And I did. It was kind of passionless to me. Call me by your name. I'm going to I feel like it's overrated. I feel like it's there's a level of pretension in there that I just can't kind of gag. Um, it was expertly made. It was beautiful. It was well acted, but I just didn't get emotionally involved. And it could have been the, my time of you know the month or something. <laughs> I don't know. Like I, I was looking forward to it. You know, and it's not every day we get a table. highly regarded gay uh, film. You know, and uh, Robert just was crying. I did. I bawled and bawled and bawled. I mean, after that movie ended, I had to walk outside the theater and stand to the side because I could not stop. crying crying yeah i feel like his films in a way or at least that film is almost like that whole what is that yanny and <laughs> you know when you play that sound and like that was a whole thing oh yeah yeah, yeah. like what do you hear or yeah. even like what color is this dress sort of thing i mean yeah so maybe he just makes polarizing movies because i know a lot of people are going to leave this new suspiria and hate it and it's been very polarizing so far. Yeah. And because of that, I was thinking several of the reviewers have said that there's an air to, of pretension here that is kind of a common theme in his films. And he succumbs to it by the end. And I thought this could have been a much tighter as far as what are the points he was trying to make. Don't just visually story tell. Don't just kind of vaguely do it. These are heavy themes that you're working with here. These are important things to say. And I felt like he could really have brought it home better. I don't have a problem with um, potential, like pretentious visual storytelling from a directorial standpoint or a stylistic standpoint, just because I know that so much more goes into the, I mean, it's not just the director making these calls too. I mean, like an editor has a hand in that, a cinematographer yeah. has a hand in that, and these people sort of work together to craft this movie. So it's really not just him making these choices. And some people just get it, you know, and those are the people he makes the film for. But it's almost like you have to be in a specific mood or kind of pre-sold. And for me, it's like I'd rather come out 
arguing and debating the themes with myself rather than the plot points yeah. or if I was supposed to feel something. And if that's left ambiguous, I feel like there's something missing. I think a good part of cinematic storytelling is something that that sticks with you and something that makes you think and something that makes oh, you he sure, surely does to that. watch yeah. the movie again. And I feel that I need to watch this movie a couple more times to fully understand it. Yeah, but it's not... <laughs> I like that, but I'd rather watch a movie again because I really liked it and enjoyed it and want to be entertained by it and want to go through those emotions again. This isn't – it's not something that I'm going to like go back to to feel like whatever emotions I was – do I want to barf again? I mean yeah. do I want to be like sliding? oh, I think I know what they're doing here. Ooh, I think I know what they're saying here. I love this background, you know, this historical background of this film and what they're trying to say. But they just don't end up saying it. They're like, this is a story about this. And then, and then we're going to like make a few – vague points about it and not bring it home or say a conclusion or wrap it up. It's, it's like he's trying, that's the whole pretension thing, right? He's trying to present to you a piece of art and have you take away what you will. And for a movie, (laughs) especially one that is kind of supposed to be an answer to the original Suspiria, it doesn't answer anything. And, no. Yeah. So I, I guess that's my caveat. And I'll watch it again, if, if nothing else, just to get more out of it, because I think it was really well made, you know, but if it were playing closer to where I, I live, I would go see complaints. it again tomorrow. I, I would go watch it again immediately. Yeah, I just I want him to rein himself in. I want a, a, an edit of it. That's just a little bit makes more sense. And I want him to go do whatever the hell he wants to do. Well, speaking of which, three of us came out, all came out with different ideas yeah. of what this film meant. What you thought was something completely different as far as plot wise. We didn't, we weren't talking about themes. We were talking about what actually happened at the end because it's very stylized. I'm going to say it. It reminds me of the end of sunshine where it's so good of a movie, but it kind of ends kind of this batshit stylistic, artistic kind of pretentious way a little bit. And this one more so I think than sunshine in a way. But we were kind of arguing about, like, what actually happened there. Like, was this this person? Was that that person? Like, what were they doing? Like, what does that mean? It was never really shown well. And I don't think none of those things in that scene had anything to do with the theme, per se. No. I mean, no. It's And so it's like, that should have been a lot. It's a wrap-up of a movie. It should have been a lot clearer for a a crescendo, climactic. Yeah moment in a film it should have been explained better so what we're talking about is that there are there are three mothers in this you know universe right the mother of size the mother of tears the mother of darkness these three main witches that sort of control the world yeah helena marcos which is the mother of this uh, dance academy or whatever um, kevin the mother the coven she claims to be mother suspirium right mother, mother of, of size, size. And so it ends up that she is not. She has been claiming to be. And so she was going to let this whole ritual happen so that she could claim a younger body. But that is what they end up doing is basically invoking the spirit or avatar of Suspirium in which it is turns out to be Susie. And Susie basically says... No, I'm Suspirium and everyone, you know, the, everyone that was following basically the false idol, you know, the false god Helena Marcos shall die. And so basically Marcos and all of her followers that voted for her in the original in the sorry, at the beginning of the film end up getting their heads exploded in spectacular fashion, but in kind of stop motiony bright red, really artistically weird way. Well, and by the, their heads are exploded sort of by this being this creature this woman-esque demon-looking thing that's completely black yes and i thought that was um 
uh, basically a call out to the original kind of monster you never really fully see in the original Suspiria with the black hands that kind of attack um, Patricia Patricia in the very first scene. But I, I always thought it was like kind of an invoked monster, invoked spirit or avatar of Suspiria or the head witch or whatever will have you, the coven itself. And that's what it, we, we actually came home and read the Wikipedia plot points. And it tended to agree with my version, my takeaway with that versus my boyfriend, Matt. And Robert's takeaway was that the original, like the mother of tears had killed herself earlier in the film. Well, Cause here's what I think. There's that. And witch, then the mother of size was Helena uh, was not Helena Marcos, but Susie. And then the, the mother of darkness is the one that was coming up from nowhere and killing everyone, even though she was clearly supernatural and came from nowhere. Oh, witches are supernatural anyway. So that's okay. But you know what I mean? And like, it's not a horror a, movie. Not too, a, a but... human. Yeah. That well, thing was not human. I think that, I mean, I, I still like my interpretation. I think it's better than what we read on Wikipedia. I think having a literal embodiment of these three mothers in the same coven is a good idea. Well, Argento's original plan was that each mother would have their own coven. Right? That's right. But and we already talked about him going away from areas. Argento. So, well, I, once I saw that witch crying, I was convinced that she was the mother of tears. You, you know, and you could be right. Someone could rewrite that wiki today, you know, and, and once could that, be some sort once of consensus. That, that dark being, right, which, I mean, could be a witch, even though, I mean. See, this, we shouldn't be arguing about this sort of thing. It should be pretty, pretty straightforward. And, and like that was all done I mean, so over the top are, artistically. There are other movies where you question what happened in plot. You know, I mean, it, it happens and people take away different ideas of what actually happened in a yeah, movie. Yeah, but I'd rather be talking about the, you know, the. I feel like he would want, you know, a filmmaker would want you to be arguing about oh, the meanings and the, and the I'm feelings. sure that he has some deep allegorical thing going on with this where something is representative of like post, you know, World War II culture and stuff like that. And he's going in some deep direction that we're just not going to get you know, ever. Yeah, I think we're going to have to find out more in the whatever the director's commentary. But I feel, I really feel like it was straightforward visually enough. Well, And sometimes, too, if you make art like that, you really have to just give it out to the world and let them decide. Because interpretation is inherently selfish. Every time you watch something, read something, listen to something, you know, it's what you take away from it. Yeah. So no matter what he wants it to be, I mean, he doesn't get to tell people exactly what it is. And right? there is, and I, f- I almost feel like Klimperer was in that scene randomly. Like, he, I don't feel like he should have been. I feel like it was weirdly rationalized, but they needed someone to be the audience because at that point, Susie ceases to be us. Yeah. She is now Suspiria. Uh, we needed someone to kind of witness. And what would he take away from all this? Would he have known that was the mother of tears earlier in the film? No, would probably, we know? Well, I mean, maybe, you know, well, he wasn't there. He didn't see that's that completely one, not answered either. Yeah. The, the theoretical mother of tears, which I don't think she was the mother of tears. There's a lot uh, stabs answered. herself in the neck and they're like, we couldn't stop her. And they never explain why she killed herself. Like, cause she's sad. It was just random. <laughs> she's the mother of tears. She'd be crying all the time. I mean, she's going to commit suicide anyway. All she does is like cry. Yeah. I don't know. So, you know, either way, obviously, as you can hear the last 10 minutes of us, essentially arguing about what happened in this movie <laughs> in the uh, first 270 minutes before it. it's got some know. it's got some issues not saying that's good or bad or right or wrong but it's got some it is it's got it some is. issues guys it's got some issues. 
issues. Um, I wish that they would have give, given Jessica Harper a bigger, better role than just his wife. Yeah, and at first it was like a flashback, and she was right. like slapping him or something, and it was like that was random. <laughs> like that doesn't make sense either. Looking but back at she, that, she shows up and has this whole monologue, and it turns out it's she's not even there. Yeah, it's a lure fake. to get him to the dance academy yep. or whatever. And I was like, mm-hmm. well, that's a cop out piece of shit. Casually like walking. I will say that I mean for those who love the original Suspiria, what the was wit- he dropping into the water? Uh, that was Patricia's stuff in the hook. Yeah, but obviously that was part of the illusion because he actually ended up bringing the hook back with him. I thought that the witch went and got it because she was like, look how dirty he made it. And they were like pulling him into the academy, right? Like they knew what was going on all the time. I don't think they dove in after. I think that was part of the illusion. Because he they was on his way like, to go you know, like, ah, and bring it up out of the water if they wanted to, right? I don't know. Oh, yeah, that was right. They can, uh, can do it. whatever he wants. The screen goes red. The witches in this Weird movie are fantastic, though. Like, some of them are just batshit crazy. They act it. Um, you get to see a lot more of the, the interaction between the witches. They are much more of a coven than they yeah, are in the I original. I really appreciated that. But I liked the original, too, where it's behind closed doors and you have to find out if she finds out. But the, but the camera doesn't really follow a particular character so much in this no, film. Yeah, I mean, it's all over the place. And so it's, it's less focused in that way. But I really did appreciate kind of being in on it with the witches from the beginning. And the, I mean, like, like we said earlier, they do follow a lot of beats from the original. There's lots of footstep counting and finding secret passages and things like that. Hey, okay, that footstep yeah. counting, though, she's like she listens at the wall for maybe 30 seconds. And then she's counting up to like 120 <laughs> steps and she immediately finds well, the place. And like, you know, she's counting. How long were you listening at that wall? Because. It felt like, like she was counting forward at first, and then when she gets to the end, she's like, three, two, one. I'm like, like, which way are you going? <laughs> like, I can barely on. remember a phone number. How are you remembering, like, five different sets of footsteps that go up to the, in the hundreds? Yeah. Like, yeah, there was some weird shit in this movie as far as, like, I don't know. There, um, there was some leaps. There was some multiple leaps of weirdness. So let's talk about the acting real quick, right? Obviously, yeah, you feel that. With Tilda three characters. Was, yeah. She was... She was Better in She's this the standout, than and it was it was she was made to be the standout, obviously designed I, to be the the person. I really thought did the best job in this movie was Mia Goth. I thought that she did a fantastic job every time she was on camera. I was just enamored of her. Who was she? She was Sarah. Oh, yeah, she did good. Uh, she was in a movie called The Cure for Wellness. I think I, I thought that honestly. That could have been played by almost anyone. I just loved her in this movie. I thought she was fantastic. I just, I mean, just, I don't, I mean, no, maybe it's just her face. You know, I'm a sucker for a woman with like huge ass eyes too. And you know so, who was I mean, really great in this movie? Tilda Swinton. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you can read my mind. Oh my God. What about no, Dakota Johnson? Yeah. Okay. Dakota Johnson was good. I she mean, was it was good. a lot better than Solid. fucking Fifty Shades of Grey, right? Yeah. So, and she still gets to show her ass off. Yeah. She had like, you know, her IQ is still in like the you know single Teens? digits but yeah oh wow i was much nicer to her than you were <laughs> <laughs> she looks good yeah you know. her and her big <laughs> under eye circles oh my god i don't want to body shame no she was she was great um you know but she, I, I don't think she's gonna like i don't think it's gonna like further her career or anything not like um i don't i don't think this movie's yeah. furthering anyone's career i don't know you know who i think it will further their career Tilda Swinton. Tilda Swinton. Uh, what, are you, like, smelling an Oscar in her future for this? You know, with the three different characters that she played, she might be flirting with a nom. I don't think so. I don't think it's going to happen for her. I just... I just don't. 
I don't think this movie is going to get a whole lot of love from the award season, except Tom York might. Tom York for his music, which was which is fantastic. If you haven't listened to the soundtrack, go and listen yeah, to it. Yeah, and it's certainly not iconic like Goblin, but it's effective. It is effective. And, and nothing can touch touch Goblin's score for Suspiria. It's just that that will never happen. Yeah. So uh but I mean like especially his his vocals in Suspirium, the song from the opening title of the movie, right? Yeah, it's, it's so opening good. and closing. Yeah. yeah, so he will he will get some nominations for this, I think. But I think that's about it. Maybe like some set design or some editing, technical things. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to acting, comes to directing, best picture nominations, things like that, I it's out. It's not going to get anything. That's probably way too much to hope for. Thankfully, yeah. we still have Hereditary, which will get some stuff. Mark my words. Hereditary. Well, which do you like better, the original Suspiria or the remake? And don't give me some bullshit answer like you can't compare the two. Which one did you enjoy the most? They're on two different levels of my brain. (laughs) You know, if I wanted to go just watch something, you know, and just to enjoy, you know, and get through, it would be, you know, the original Suspiria. But... If if I wanted to have a thinker piece and like really kind of I don't know hurt my brain and my <laughs> eyes and my stomach, then I would watch this one. I don't know. I you know I'd almost give them the same score. You know, in in yes. Oh no, I wouldn't. I while I liked the remake, and I mean, like I just said, not to compare the two, right? And you really can't. I would still rather sit down and watch the original 77 version yeah, any sure. day of the week. Yeah. And I feel like there's, that's, you're not alone there. Yeah. Uh, and some people are just going to like this one, especially those that never saw the original or didn't see it until later, you know, then it's, they're not going to have that. They're not going to have that nostalgia for it. Yeah. And so that's going to factor into, eh, it's just a better movie. It's not, I mean, nostalgia. yeah, I mean, you could have, you know, it's a better the best. You could have movie. a Guadagnino directed you know, Night of the Demons, and you'd still like the original better because of your nostalgia. I would like to see what he would do with Night of the Demons. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, he would yeah. burn it. He would take the original reels and burn it. That's what he would do. <laughs> he would never do that. Mm-hmm. He probably loves that fucking movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he probably does. I doubt that. I really doubt that. I'm not even, I mean, aside from like some of the more it's graphic things in It's not pretentious at all. It's unpretentious. That's what I can say about Night of the Demons. It's, <laughs> it's not pretentious. Unpretentious <laughs> to the nth degree, and that is the polar opposite of There was not an ounce know. of pretension in that movie. There was not an ounce. It's really not. Yeah. It, it knows itself. It, it had fun. Okay. Well, how many yays are you going to give Suspiria 2018? Well, I feel like that could go up or down with repeated viewings, and this is literally like an hour after I got up off my seat in the theater. So, so the first hour after out of five yays. I want to say three. I want to say three it, out of five. I'm going to give it four. But I might I might search my soul 
<laughs> Give it point two five higher, just like you did with well, Star Wars Born. Uh, well, okay. So the official haven't. Film Flamers initial score for Suspiria, the new Suspiria, is a three point five. Uh, definitely go see it if you haven't. If you listen to this all the way to the end, you still hadn't seen the movie like we told you to do. Go look at it and and really look at it because this movie is amazing to to see Mm -hmm. um and tell us what you think about it you can tell us on social media on twitter or facebook at the film flamers or you can email us at what chris tired queens at filmflamers.com that's right um if you go to filmflamers.com you can find all of our episodes you can also find all of our episodes pretty much wherever you get your podcasts these days i think right? that's true well they're already listening so they know where to find us uh you can find other hot takes for movies that we've seen as well as our brightest flame awards and other great bonus content on our patreon at patreon.com slash filmflamers yeah we've got a lot of bonus content now and coming out and you can get it for as little as two bucks so help us out guys we made it for you. So until next time, Chris. Sweet dreams. Gay. Okay. <laughs> Every time.